So many owners open their shops with the dream of doing auto repair the right way, being an asset to their community, having free time with their families, and having the ability to create a financial legacy. In reality, so many find themselves working long days, are struggling to find and keep good staff, and can barely pay the bills. Since 2016, the fastest growing automotive repair coaching company, ShopFix Academy's sole purpose is to stop the average small business from destroying the average family. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com. Uh, as a kid, uh, we moved a lot. I didn't think that that was unusual. Um, you know, my brother came by not the, just the other day. Frank was like, you realize how much we moved when we were younger? And, you know, we, we did. We moved a lot. Um, Dad was struggling with alcoholism, um, and both of them worked. He made a lot of money, uh, and then he drank, drank a lot of it and disappeared. He was very abusive. This is Success Leaves Clues, an automotive industry podcast, and I'm your host, Thomas Hayes. Becoming resilient is one of the most critical traits to becoming a successful shop owner, technician, advisor, or anyone else in this challenging industry. In my observation, resilience is the ability to move forward from traumas, setbacks, and embarrassments from the past. It's this ability to acknowledge the past but not get stuck in it. It's looking forward with hope. This trait allows you to overcome excuses, have self-discipline, and have genuine joy in the present moment. Stan Andruski of Certified Auto Repair in Virginia embodies resilience. He has overcome a difficult past and found the strategies that allowed him to cultivate resilience and create an incredible life. The clues he leaves apply to anyone trying to move forward from surviving to thriving. This is a great episode, so stay tuned. An effective online presence is a critical part of your shop's growth and profitability, which is why it only makes sense to use the company that many top-performing repair shops use for managing their online presence, Leads Near Me. Leads Near Me effortlessly increases your car count with a strategic combination of killer websites, high-converting Google ads, traffic-driving social media posts, and more. Reach them by text or call at 888-953-2379 or visit them online at leadsnearme.com. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count. Stan, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Thomas. How are you? Doing great, man. How are you? Good. Man, I'm super happy to have you here. Anytime that you and I have interacted, had conversations as we got to know each other, um, you carry something really unique. And and we're going to unpack it. And I really want to talk through, you know, the what you've been through and how you've transformed through it and really created a resilient life. And I think that's going to be something that's going to be a key for so many people that are listening. So I appreciate you being willing to to talk this through with us today. Man, that's awesome. Any any way I can help, I'm all for it. And I appreciate you allowing me to be uh, on the podcast. And any way I can help, I will, man. Thanks, brother. So, uh, Stan, I've known you for a while, but a lot of folks listening, they may not know you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Who who are you? 
Um, tell us about your shop as it stands now. Let's let's get to know you a little bit. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I always people ask who I am, and and uh, I, I'm not a shy, not ashamed to say that uh, I'm a Christian first. I'm a follower of Christ. Um, wasn't always. Grew up in in a time when I kept hearing the correct voice, but didn't always know what it was. <laughs> so I'm lucky about that. Um, I am a husband. Uh, my wife and I, Megan, have been married for 20 years now. Um, and so getting, getting ready to go on 21. Uh, hello. Sometimes those years start to mix. Uh, and uh, so they can be confusing. I have three kids. My oldest is 24. Uh, that's Kobe, uh, my son. And my middle son is Trevor. He just turned 20. And Caroline is my little princess who will be 18 in April. Um, and she's looking at colleges right now. And it's been kind of fun. Same time, we're looking at the fact that we might be empty nesters pretty soon. Yeah. Um, pretty cool. Uh, and then we're also uh, owners of Certified Auto Repair uh, just outside of Richmond, Virginia. Um, this is probably the funnest job the last few years that I've ever had. Uh, I've been looking for that my whole life. People kept asking me at, at 46 what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I was like, I'll, I'll let you know when I get there. It's always involved cars. Anytime I've tried real estate or anything else that I did, it was successful. But people kept calling me back to... Uh, being honest and 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 uh, giving them the correct information on vehicles, so it's always been a car thing, no matter what I've done. So that's where we're at, man. Tell us about your shop as it is right now. Oh, so right now, um, we currently have five bays. Uh, we have five technicians. Uh, they're all A level technicians, master techs. Wasn't the case a year ago, but it is now. Um, we are right now. We're tracking about two point two million uh, for this year which is a huge increase for us over last year. Last year, we did about 1.1 million. Um, and the year wow. before was about, uh, I would think we did 550,000. Um, this That's year. Great, man. Wow. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we just had our Christmas party. Uh, it was amazing, you know, to be able to sit there. And I, I told my son one day, I'd love to have like steak dinners and be able to like give real bonuses. And I really never thought it would happen. It was just a stream, <laughs> you know, working for places that you never really felt appreciated. Even the good places didn't really feel like, real Christmas parties or, or really a pre they'd give you a hundred dollar gift certificate. I'm like, man, I made this company like $2 million. Right. I get, you know, but so you, your thought process changes, but you know, we had a steak dinner and we had games and we had people that uh, said some very, very meaningful things to my wife and I before they left. Uh, and I don't think I'll ever forget it. So our, our culture is phenomenal. We've had to work very hard to get it there. I've never seen a culture like this. I've been in automotive field. I was a technician uh, for most of my life. And I just have never seen a place uh, that quite operates like Certified did. So we're very proud of what we built. Um, and we're tracking about 2.7 uh, next year uh, with the same number of lifts. Now, I, I did tell you earlier uh, that we're looking for some commercial uh, sites around here to be able to build. It's very hard to find. So in the meantime, we may, I don't know, we may venture off and find a warehouse or two close by and, and, and throw five or 10 lifts in there too. So all options are on the table when you start growing like this. Um, I have an eight, about five or six A-level technician um, applications sitting on my desk that I'm going through. Uh, and when I have A-level technicians that are, that are good techs, I always hire them and then find where to put them. So I'm trying to, I'm, 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 I'll, I'll build man. a place. It doesn't bother me. They're, they're worth every penny I put into it. So That's right, yeah. man. Exciting. That's great. Exciting. That's super exciting. I'm really proud of you, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. You've seen my walk. I met you the first, I met you yeah. the first hackers, I think, and it was phenomenal. So you've always kind of, you and I have always talked and always had a lot in common. So I appreciate your friendship, man. It's been, it's been an awesome ride. Absolutely, man. So, uh, 
that that gives you know listeners a really good idea of where things are at. I'd love to unpack how we got there. So you know, tell us first, you know, how did you get to be a shop owner? You mentioned you're a tech. Kind of walk us through, like, where where did we sure. get to yeah. the beginning? So, I was a tech for a good amount of of, of time. I think it's I think we're banging we're twenty five years now since I since I stopped about a year ago, um, and was master certified at eighteen with Chevrolet, and then that dealer had a bunch of other dealers, so I went along and just got every certification for every every make and model I could, and kept them up for a long time. Uh, you didn't have to be working there. A lot of people didn't know that. You just have to take the modules and pass the test. Uh, and they'll allow you to do that and, and spend some money. Uh, so I have a fair amount of credentials still I'm getting ready to get rid of. But uh, the last 10 years, I spent at an independent shop called um, called Village Exxon. Uh, they gave me a chance. Uh, it was a very busy place by University of Richmond. Um, it's The place is worth a lot of money. Wish I could buy it. Um, but Exxon owns it. And they're not willing to sell. So, But over there, you know, it was a very good living. And they did things that were really good. Uh, but it just could have been... I don't know if you ever worked for a place that's really good, but it could be great if they just did a couple things extra. Like we, I was a family guy, had young kids and, you know, we were working every Saturday um, or every other Saturday. They wouldn't give us a day off during a week. You know, I was a high hour turner. So in in my career, I I averaged right around 140 hours a week um, as a technician. And um, I didn't play around. I got the car in, got the uh, work order to the service advisor and got it out. So, at, at Village Exxon, things were going pretty good, but I wanted better. So I tried a Mako tool business uh, in 2008. Um, that was quite the awakening. I thought a tool guy kind of pulled up like the ice cream man, <laughs> and they came in right. It does, but boy, I think <laughs> the ones that are established do. I think that they have a very good reputation. I think that uh, they, they can make a lot of money. For us, it was a, a very hard role. Um, we didn't make a profit. Really, the whole time we were there, um, even though I was one of the number one toolbox sellers in the company, uh, their cordless line was out early before Milwaukee and everybody. So we were getting a lot of ground on very powerful cordless lines. Um, was on a few TV shows, Hot Rod TV with them, just promoting the tools. I thought they were great. As you said earlier, I have a passion. So I think the passion, people like to see that part of me. Uh, but the, we'll talk about it later, but it could be a little negative too, because you have to have some discipline with that for it to go somewhere. But so... You know, I, I was pretty successful with Maco, but still couldn't really make any money. Uh, one of the shops I stopped at was a gentleman I used to work with at Village Exxon uh, who had opened his own shop. He thought he could do it better. And he said, you know, I'm getting ready to retire and I have the shop. And I said, okay, well, now you're talking. It was a one, uh, it was two bays and one little warehouse. Um, and uh, we got to talking and we bartered some things and uh, created a payment plan. And before I knew it, uh, Megan and I were owning a shop. Um, I think it came to about uh, close to $100,000 uh, for the shop that he let us finance uh, for three years. We paid it off early. Um, that shop, uh, we didn't know a lot of things. Megan was very smart. She was still stay-at-home mom. She was coming and helping with some of the bookkeeping. But we weren't. Uh, she had a full ride to college, and she she did some uh, GPS databasing and some um, some engineering-type stuff in her, in her job uh, before she became a stay-at-home mom. But we didn't know. Like, this was the thing. We got in there. We had a, a lot of business. Our, we, we looked last night. Our first uh, year in business was $240,000 for the year in 2013. Uh, and this month, uh, we're looking like we're probably going to do about two forty dollars or two fifty. dollars So in one month, we're going to do what our first year did in 2012. So we are mm-hmm. beyond blessed, beyond excited um, about our growth. But to go over there and just realize 
you know, through those years, we just celebrated our 10-year anniversary this month uh, at the current location. 2017, we moved from that little small shop uh, to a corner shop uh, that was a railing company. They were moving, and I was we were working on their trucks, and I said, hey, I might be able to fit lifts down there. So I came down there and measured and never thought I'd be able to have five in here, never mind one. Um, so we put five lifts in, uh, not all at once, start off with three and then moved over the next year or two. But same time, you know, uh, we were able to find the coaching company. I think I've talked to you about this before. Uh, we were looking through ratchet and wrench and, uh, at that time, Megan had come on board in 2017 and, uh, worked every day with me in here. And in a marriage, you would think that that would be tough, but the truth was we found that it actually strengthened our relationship because she couldn't understand what it was like for me to be a technician and run a shop and uh, why we weren't making money sometime. And so when she came in, she got to see very quickly the real deal of, holy smokes, like this is a lot more than either one of us could have imagined. It really was. And so we needed to find um, an option on how, to, how what numbers, how, you know, what's a profit and loss statement? What are we, what can we pay technicians? What can we pay for rent? How do we afford all of this? So we didn't know any of that. And sadly, most shop owners that I've met with around here in the last year or two, they have no idea. They literally have no idea how to read a profit loss uh, statement, what they can do, how to account properly. And if the IRS walked in half of these places, they'd be shut down. I mean, in, instantly. It's just sad because it literally would be. Because um, I just don't think most of them, they, they start off like me. Most owners were technicians or kids with dreams who were good with their hands. Takes a lot more though to run a business, buddy. And so we've been very, very thankful for what we found. Uh, and in June of 2022, uh, we went to that first meeting, uh, and uh, which was the hackers meeting for ShopFix Academy. Uh, prior to that, we were getting ready to get out. Uh, we were going to get out of business. We weren't making mm -hmm. any money, even in the new shop. Um, couldn't keep techs around. They weren't making time. They weren't efficient. It was a playground, and we just didn't know. What we didn't know, man. So. Uh, June of 2022, our lives changed. So glad we connected there, man. Me too. It was phenomenal. Phenomenal. So I want to I want to take a, a step back. As you and I have talked in the past, I know that a big part of who you are today and and the man you are and and what you're able to walk in now, a lot of that comes from what you went through and what you overcame. So. Uh, would you mind sharing a little bit about what was what were things like early on for you? Uh, as a kid, uh, we moved a lot. I didn't think that that was unusual. Um, you know, my brother came by not the, just the other day, Frank. It was like you realize how much we moved when we were younger, and you know, we we did. We moved a lot. Um, Dad was struggling with alcoholism, um, and both of them worked. Uh, we were. I was born in Boston, so uh, Southie was a. Uh, Irish community it was pretty poor at the time. It's not anymore. Um, but you know, we grew up and, uh, we moved a lot and, and, and with dad drinking a lot, he'd have stable jobs. He was a business owner, uh, early on before he, before he had, he struggled with alcohol. He, um, started off as a, as a very poor kid, um, growing up, his mom left. It was actually in the papers, uh, back in the like fifties when his mom left. Um, so he grew up with some pretty hard times as well. And, wasn't able to, unfortunately, wasn't able to correct all of those. Um, he did before he passed, thank God. That's a different story. But uh, it took him a long time to get past it. Um, he he took over a shop for his boss, who was MIA uh, on Route 1 when he was a kid. And it was a Shell station. Then he opened a Sunoco, Sunoco station right on the other side of Route 1. And it was going into Nantasket Beach, which was the only water park on the East Coast. So he made a lot of money. 
Uh, and then he drank, drank a lot of it and disappeared. He was very abusive uh, and left. So mom was left to raise five of us uh, in Boston. Um, she worked, got laid off uh, when the economy got bad in the early, early 80s. Uh, and unfortunately we were on, you know, we were on welfare for a while as kids. I was in the lines and waiting for the, the welfare cheese and, uh, you know, being hungry a lot. I just remember I, I was blessed enough to be able to look up the street and see the Boston skyline, uh, when I, when we finally got steady for a while, which would have, which was in Southie and you could just see the buildings and the cranes and stuff being built. And I just always thought to myself, you know, those, those guys, kids aren't, aren't hungry. We'd be hungry a lot. And mom would try to be working and. And with five of us, it was just hard. It was hard. A lot of times we were hungry. And when you get creative when you don't have, I mean, ramen wasn't a big thing. It was, you know, noodles or oodles, but it wasn't like that big back then. So you get creative. I mean, you'd have, you'd have ways of making water with cereal and you'd have frosted flakes with water. It's not that good, but it keeps you from dying. So yeah. you just learned a lot. Um, and then being uh, in an abusive, uh, uh, I guess, an abusive relationship or abusive family uh, with your father growing up and, and, um, it just very, very violent when he drank. And the sad part is he didn't remember most of it when he did come to. So we had to, all of us were abused. Um, and mom finally got away and, um, uh, you know, I just grew up, uh, learning how to fight. I, I, I remember walking down the street and, you know, one of my best friends just came over and just, just punched me one day. And I was like, what? And there's friends egged him on. And, you know, I didn't have, my shoes were all, Dirty, and he thought it was funny to make fun of me. And so, you know, I learned at a young age that I didn't like getting beat up. And uh, all of me and my brothers fought. Um, we learned how to become very good fighters um, and to fight and hurt people quick. So we didn't get hurt. And it sounds bad, but the good news is I don't want to hurt anybody these days. I, you know, I don't even want to. It doesn't mean I don't get upset when somebody cuts me off or does something wrong. Matter of fact, uh, I'm a very big protector of. Uh, when somebody does something wrong or tries to wrong somebody that I'm close to or love, or even somebody I might not love, I think I'm very big on uh, making sure people treat each other correctly or treat each other right. I should say not correctly. Uh, just a little bit of class. So um, growing up, mom um, did better and better. Things started getting better for us for a little while. And then they took a turn for the worse again. Um, there was just it was very hard for her to continually make it and find a good job. So they lay, lay people off in Boston, hire them back, lay them off. And the last time when she thought she was going to buy a house, she's going to nursing school as well. Well, they laid her off again. She had to stop her nursing dream. Um, about that time we went into the projects, um, which were pretty bad living there, pretty, a, a lot of violence. And my dad had been sober for a few years in Virginia. He had moved down, down to Virginia with another woman. Uh, and then I guess, you know, one day in about 86, he called us and we came to Virginia. So he hadn't been drinking for a while. Seemed like life. I finally get to know my dad, uh, probably better. I did for a year or two and then the drinking started and abuse got worse. Um, so he left, I'm sorry, everybody, everybody left, but, but me and one of my brothers, uh, my mom left, my sisters left, uh, everybody was gone. Uh, and then he just got really abusive towards me and my brothers, um, alcohol and stuff like that. Later on, there was some, you know, his, his, we we're still living in that house. His sister, uh, Massachusetts committed suicide. Um, that sent him for a loop, get super abusive. And my grandfather at the time was living with us. That was his daughter. Uh, a couple of years later, um, him and my dad were fighting and he, he shot my dad and committed suicide as well. 
Um, crazy story to get through. Uh, my dad lived through it. From that point on, my dad changed his life. Uh, I didn't go see him in the hospital. I could care less at the time, to be honest. I know it sounds wrong, but uh, you can say it's wrong and it's heartless. But you know, I grew up, and I was I was hoping dad would be around. He just wasn't there. Um, and he, when he was, it wasn't good. So, uh, but then the last 15 years, he, he passed a few years ago, the last 15 years, um, he really tried hard and my, my kids got to see a grandpa and, a, and I got to see a father I'd never seen. I had a, had a couple of years to actually work with him last couple of years of his life to come up to the shop and hang out and try to fix stuff and not perfect, but much better relationship. Thankful we had it before he passed. Um, so you know, growing up, it wasn't easy, <laughs> you know, to say the least. But for some reason, I, I say I'm a Christian first, and, and I always try to be. I'm not I'm not perfect. Don't get me wrong. But the one thing that I always heard, and I almost feel with the success we've had now, I almost feel like it's not fair because I could hear God's voice very early on before I even knew. Like I could hear so many of the people, most of the people I grew up with have are either dead or have not made it. They literally are dead or or addicted or overdosed and um very few people that i know are even alive anymore from when i was a kid um and i don't know any that have been have the success level i have right now um and so it's just it's it's very crazy to look at that and then you almost feel like well why was i you know chosen or why could i hear the voice and not them and then you know there are gifts that god gives you one is a gift of discernment i've learned recently i have it um and so it's really cool kind of that's why when I'm in interviews and I have A-level texts, it's, I guess we land them because I literally tell them, our, tell them our story about our shop, what we believe in, and then um, I usually am told something to tell them. I, could kind of, I kind of relate very easy, and they have never heard. They've never been lifted up like that as men. So that's kind of cool. I could take some of what I have now and, I can, and what I've learned, and my, my passion comes from where I've been. That's where all of that, that passion, the zeal, the the want to help others. It comes from knowing where I've been and that life's too short and you can't get time. You can't get any time back, man. Like I don't want that time back, but I don't want to waste anymore. I have more vision right now than I have time left to do stuff. That's the truth. Yeah. I, I remember a conversation we had, I think it was over a year ago, but I was, I was walking down the hall at, at, at shop hackers and, and I stopped, uh, we just started chatting for a minute and you know, I, I, I remember saying something to the effect of, you know, you're, you're, you're crushing it. You know, all these things are going well. Um, you're happy. Like, you know, where, where does this come from? Where does this zeal and this passion and this fire in your belly come from? And, and knowing, you know, the story of, of your past and, and how you grew up, you know, like we talked about, you know, before the recording, so many people, and you mentioned this, so many people that go through that type of a trauma early in life, you know, around abuse, around alcoholism, you know, grew up in poverty. Um, they, they just don't make it. They don't, they don't get that, that ability to, to move forward. And, and, and I really feel like, you know, one of the things that, that you have attained is resilience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that it, ability. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I'll put, I'll just put God first, man. Like I said, having that voice, oh, it's a, it's a true, it's a true father being there telling you if, as long as you're willing to listen and you can hear it. And I don't know that everybody can, but it, it was just, you know, don't do this, do that. Look at it this way, see things this way. And my mind just worked in a way that was almost an advantage. Um, 
over some other people, I guess. But I, I'll, I'll credit God first. I'll credit the people he put in my life. Um, you know, when you ask for things directly to God, he promises, you know, I mean, you have to ask. And and he also wants a relationship with you, man. I don't, I don't know how else to put it. Like he's reaching down, even in a Sistine Chapel, he's reaching down. And people always wonder why that hand's not touching because it's up to us to take that next step. We have to activate the faith. He just, he wants a relationship. So for me, I can only give, I can only give the credit to God um, because I learned shortly before I was walking down that hallway. um, I also am involved in church. I serve obviously, but I don't want to walk around with a, with a face that's just hung low. I mean, I tell my guys all the time, even Robbie, the service advisor, we moved up front. I said, your biggest problem is going to be, I'm going to tell you over and over again to inform your face you're happy because you, you're probably happy, but you don't look happy. So it's important mm-hmm. to, if you're happy, look happy, like be happy. And, and, and not just happy, uh, Thomas. The bigger thing is, and I've said a little bit about this before, I think when we spoke, but I learned the, different, the difference between happiness and joy. And see, ha- happiness is circumstantial. And happiness is dependent upon everything around you. And growing up, I said, man, if we could just have this, if, we, if things could just go yeah. right long enough. And the truth is, is it's all about mindset and, and, and the joy is within, right? Happiness, if you're chasing happiness, the chances are you're never going to be happy. But if you're chasing joy, the, the truth of happiness is joy. It's, it's, it's joy comes from within and it's guaranteed that even in the worst storm, there's calm there. And you just have to be able to find it. It's always a peak or a valley, and you have to be okay with, with being in either one. You have to be comfortable uh, that there's a higher power that's going to be there with you and that in the end, everything is going to be okay. Did you know that some web design companies use the same wording across all their client sites? Unfortunately, this common practice is noted by Google as plagiarism, which will cause your site to be ranked lower. That's why it's critical that whoever makes your shop's website knows better. That's why so many top shops trust leads near me to create and manage their shop's websites. As Google certified partners, they know how to make a top ranking website from an insider's perspective. Get a free site analysis by visiting leadsnearme.com or calling 888-953-2379. Leads near me effortlessly increase car count. Practically, as you, you know, moved on, I guess we can call it, you know, from your past and you've stepped into just, you know, this season, this long season of just, you know, taking action, getting things done, thriving, you really stepped into thriving. What are some practical things that that helped you do that along the way? Obviously, you know, faith and and trusting that, you know, there is a plan. That's a huge part of it. Having hope is huge. But what are some other practical things that maybe someone listening could start doing to be able to, to leave that past behind and really walk into what they're called to do? Yeah, sure. I mean, mindset has a, has a lot to do with it. And you know, a lot of times it's people say, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And nothing could be closer to the truth, literally. Like that's the people you surround yourself with should be people that you one day want to be like. And you have to find a way to, or, you know, or have success like, not necessarily even be like. 
And the way I do it is for me, it's, you know, people always say, well, I got off the path. Well, what's the path? Well, for me, again, you did mention religiously, right? For me, I have an order. So when I get off the path, it's just simple things like God first, my spouse second, my kids third, and then my job. The family can follow depending on if they if they need help or not, or if they're a, a burden or not, right? They don't get to go. But that order, you can't fall back on your kids, but they should be able to fall back on you and your wife. You can't just fall back on your spouse. You can, but even further is God. So you always have that order. So when you get off, you can always look back and say, man, you know what? My wife and I haven't been on a date in three months. No wonder why things are going crazy. You know, I haven't sat down and listened to a worship song or had had meditation with with the Lord or spoken to the Lord or prayed in two months. Well, what do you think is going to happen? Like you're going to get off. There's a owner's manual to this that's called the Bible. So that's the that's the Christian side of things. The life side of things is knowing I have that faith always in that order when I get off, I can go back to it, right? But if somebody asks me practically, it almost always involves the Bible, because it's not even about the religion. It's about the relationship with God. And that for me is what, what always gets me back grounded when I get lost. When I go around and I, and I talk to people passionately, because when I've been at the lowest point I've been, and then I've also been at this, these high points, I want to stay more in the high points. And so the way I do that is the mindset is I don't tell myself I can't do something anymore. Like I would be sitting here in office and Megan would tell me something and I'd be half cooked and I'd have like this morning, I had 37 calls and texts and it was like crazy Monday. But even three months ago, it would have been too hard to handle. And now I just, I take, I take things and compartmentalize them. Uh, and I had a friend teach me this as well, where I will just, cause I can, I'm ADHD, so I can multitask like nobody's business. I finish nothing. <laughs> I finished nothing. I've had this talk yeah. with some people at Chopix that are ADD too that have the same issue. It's clear as day to me because I have found some things that work, right? Besides uh, Adderall or whatever the drug, you know, I, I don't do that. I, I don't get any medicine for it. But so now, right now, I'm doing a podcast with you. So I take that out of my pretend mailbox above my computer and we're doing a podcast. When we're done and it's finished, it goes back up and it's completed. Uh, if somebody were to interrupt this, I would probably take it and say, hold on, Thomas. I wouldn't, but if I had to, I would put that back up and then I would take down whatever I have to do with that person, literally take it out of the mailbox and put it in front of me and deal with that at that time. When I'm done with it, I put it back until it's finished. When it's finished, it goes into a different box. So it sounds crazy imaginary, imagining it, but it really has helped me. I've, I've, I've leveled up in the last three months, 15 levels. <laughs> I might've been at 30. I'm at 45. I mean, half of my life, I've learned more how to handle and be disciplined with uh, in the last few months, uh, more, more than the, the total rest of my life combined. I've said that I've seen more miracles. I've seen more changes. Uh, it's just knowing how to deal with it. And when you surround yourself with people who do more things in a day than you could possibly do in a month and you watch it, you start saying, okay, that person is special, but what are they doing that I could do to accomplish the same type of goals? Right. What are they doing? What, we business has been around for 200 in this country, 200 years ish, you know, I mean, since the beginning, everything doesn't have to be reinvented. Like there, there, there's success patterns and things that have worked since the beginning. Yeah. And so I like to find the people that are successful. Not all of them like to share either, but I love to share it. So when I am successful, when you see me turn into page, I see somebody new that I meet that has a shop and I'm on them. They're down, beat up. They haven't made any money. Hey, you know what a PL is? Learn it. Let me help you. 
Oh, it's it, it's mind blowing. It is at first, but then you'll know it in six months. You'll know it, and you'll be able to fix your business. All technicians have toolboxes. Most of them. I'm not going to hire any without them. But you have a toolbox, and my toolbox as a shop owner, and everybody else that owns a shop, their their toolbox is going to be P and L's. Um, and life all has you have tools in life. You just have to find out what they are, um, and try to take the emotion out. That's the other thing, right? What's a common thing you can do? People don't understand that your thoughts control your emotions. Sounds crazy. It's true. You, we're the only being that can do that, that we know of on this earth that, that can. So when we try to react to something emotionally, if you can put the emotion aside long enough, even when you're passionate, it's called discipline. You can back up a little bit and you could start saying, okay, but what's the right decision to make here? Right? Efficient decisions, discipline with your decisions. How many times do you walk in your house and you stub your toe on the corner of the wall, right? Or you kick that shoe that's been, what are you going to do right now to make a decision to where that never happens again? Subconsciously, when you walk in next time, how do you walk past that door or that edge or that slipper? I mean, make a choice. Where are we going to go to eat? If you have a, if you have a wife, you know, oh my gosh, it's the worst thing. Picking, <laughs> there's so many options. Boo hoo. But the truth is, when you start becoming more efficient at your regular decisions, even that becomes easy. You just start thinking through it. It's not emotional. It's a simple decision. Uh, and it worked on that one. <laughs> all of us do. It's probably a poor example. But, you know, there are things that we do and we struggle with the same decisions over and over. And we ne- It's because we never come to a true decision that we're okay with. So if it's mm-hmm. a big deal about what you want to do next with your family, you make that decision. And you, you, you make it to where you do the research you need to do. You give it the ample time right then. And then from now on, the rest of your life, that decision is made this way. That's how you're able to make 150 decisions in a day that are important instead of thinking one over for two weeks. That's how when you see people that can make decisions so fast that blow your mind and they end up winning every single time, that's how they do it. That these simple decisions that aren't so simple to you are now simple to them. They've made conclusions. Just like if you're arguing with your wife, it's no different, right? If, if you have the same arguments over and over, you guys have got to come to a situation, to a conclusion that you're both good with that say, from now on, when this happens, we're going to do this. And you both have to be okay. You have to be disciplined enough to honor it. And then you move on and it never happens again. That's how you grow in a relationship. That's how I've grown in the last few months where the decisions I'm making now, I try to make them and give them the best chance I have where I can be okay with it, be successful, and then cross it off my list. The next time that decision comes, it's almost going to be my mind making it. I'm not even going to have to. It's going to be semi-conscious, just doing it. So those are some practical things that I do that I think have worked very well that I've learned um, making, taking the discipline. I've had to do discipline in the passion as well, Thomas. The passion I have a lot of times, it would be strong. It would lift somebody up. And then 20 minutes later, I'm like, geez, you know, I need to go find somewhere to sit down and do nothing for 10 minutes to, to recover from it. But what I learned with this passion that I have is if I can be disciplined with it, if I can hear them out a little bit longer, even though I'm sitting there picking it apart, saying that's emotion, that's thought, that's emotion. Whenever you talk to me, that's what I'm doing. If it's a if it's a problem and you're trying to, I'm trying to help and I'm diagnosing it that way. Put the emotions over here, and then I'm thinking about what kind of advice I can give you off of what I've learned, and how, that's 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 where the value comes in for me trying to help somebody. That's where I'm trying to get past the stuff that really doesn't matter without telling them, oh, that doesn't matter. I used to be like that. Why, why you let, no, 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 no. Now I'll go through and say, this is why I think you should do this, this, and this, and this, and try to keep that part out of it because it's not productive to anybody. It's not helping you. That makes sense. 
Yeah. One thing that I'm hearing in, in this conversation, you know, you, you've mentioned discipline quite a bit. And I think that, you know, back to looking at, at people that go through trauma and, and poverty and all those things, um, even if they didn't, I, I think that there's, there's a lot of folks that just don't get to the point that you got to of personal ownership. Yeah. Like you own your decisions, you own your circumstances and your situation and, and you are proactive. Yeah. Well, is that something you developed? Well, it was because what I learned was as I grew up, I blamed, I blamed a lot of people for what I was going through and, and it didn't mean I didn't take responsibility and pull myself up by my bootstraps, but I still, uh, even down to politics a few years ago, I mean, I was very heavily involved way more so than I am now. And just some of the things that were going on and taxes and stuff like that. And then I just, you know, I just started coming to a peaceful decision in my mind that I'm going to do things in my business and in my life that make it to where the people, people outside of my life, their decisions can only affect it marginally, very little bit. And then when I started realizing that you actually could do those sort of things, um, when you grow up thinking that other people are causing your issues, and that's a lot of this country feels that way, like it's somebody else's fault or if they didn't just do this. What you have to get out of is saying that like that might even be true. But if you don't give them that time. I had somebody ask me in a coaching company not too long ago, you know, do you know how much when I first started? Do you know how much you have to generate an hour? I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. My, well, my technicians, you know, they, yeah, that's $130 an hour. No, do you know how much you have to generate? So I come back, I figure it out. Yeah, I know how much now I have, I have to generate an hour. I know how much that is. It's a significant amount of money. I've got employees, you know, it's five to $8,000 an hour, roughly ish. So you look at that and you say, okay, well, that's why I have to generate an hour for every hour to be able to do what we're doing. Okay. Well, what about if I look at time as far as when you're blaming somebody else, we know you don't get any more of it back, right? That's a big deal. You can never get any more time back. So do I want to give other people the most precious thing I have is my time. When I'm upset with somebody, when I'm blaming them, do I want to give any, anybody else a piece of my precious time? No matter if I think I can fix them, if I can change something, you can change people in a positive way that doesn't take the same kind of time. Because I feel like when you're changing people in a positive way, God's there giving you more time. You might get another 10 years. I don't know. It's just how I feel. It's not wasted. What's wasted is when you're upset or you're blaming somebody else for something, you're giving them time that you could be taking care of that problem way sooner. It's it just, I don't waste three days looking for a $110 discount on something anymore because I'm wasting more, more time doing that than I, it's just, you just get, if you find the product and you can get it, you get it sometimes just the way it is. If you can get a discount in a few minutes, you get it. If not, I'm not going to spend two days looking for 10, 15 or a hundred dollars off something because my time's worth too much. And my money's what I have to make is worth too much. It's not that I'm too good. It's just a different way of looking at things. So if, you're, if your time is the most precious, Thomas, why would I even, even if you're upset with somebody, even if people make you mad or they cut you off or whatever, why are you going to give them that time? Like, just don't give it to them. It, keep it. Do something positive with it. And then you might have 80% more of your, or 20% more of your life to do more positive things. You can literally get more of your life back, more time on this earth. Crazy, but that's how I look at it. So looking at at 
your shop and your business, it, it sounds like that a lot of the things that you did to, you know, really leapfrog growth. I mean, you walked us through just these massive stair steps of growth. Uh, and even next year to project doing another, you know, 500,000, even at this level of growth is amazing. And even expanding bays and things like that. Um, walk us through, like, how did this lifestyle that you've developed, how did it help you in the shop? Well, in a shop, it helped us because as you're growing and you, you know, we have all A-level technicians, but as you're growing, you can't necessarily afford an A-level technician. You want them. Um, so you have to start when I talked about discipline as well earlier, it's a discipline thing, but what do you, how do you get disciplined? Well, you surround yourself with people who are doing the things that you want to be doing successful people in your trade. And that that's the first step was getting around people, uh, in my trade that continually, uh, uh, have helped me and have, they are where I want to be one day. And, um, so in the shop, when you're able to go around, you're able to talk to the men and women in your shop, the people, the team, and you're able to actually know what your vision is well enough to sell it. Cause I didn't, you know, a couple of years ago I was asked, you know, write out your vision by some friends, you know, to buy coaching company, right? We talked about it before, uh, Aaron Stokes, write out your, what's your vision. Um, in my vision, I had no idea what it was and because I didn't have any idea what I was doing. Once I learned what I was doing and how to run the business properly, the vision just came because of who we were and what I wanted to accomplish. And I knew what I had to do to be able to accomplish those things, what it took, right? So now that I know what it takes, other people have seen and bought it. All this team has bought into the vision. Everything we told them we would do, we would do. We thought we would hit 1.8 this year at last year's Christmas party. They're seeing two, 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 three. So when we tell them next year, two, seven or three million, they don't even, they don't even blink an eye. They just have full faith that's going to happen. Um, and it's an amazing thing, but we don't go around just as shop owners or I don't, I go around and I try to lift them up. I see what's going on personally. I constantly check with them. Is your money okay? Is, you know, if not, do you have a spending problem or you're just not making enough? Like what's the differences? And some of the things we've talked about in this podcast, I talk to them daily about, you know, don't limit yourself on what you can do. You could do way more than you think you can. You're putting your own limits through your thought process and your thought life. And you have to have a, you have to have a healthy thought life. You got to keep that thought life up here in your head clean. You got to keep it clean. You got to keep it disciplined. And that way other people can start to benefit and start to do the same thing. And, uh, and, and you can achieve a true generational change that way, generational wealth, uh, family change, and being able to do things that people will look at and be like, man, how in the world, how is that guy? helping that many people. I saw him over there this morning. He's doing this. He's doing that. And he has it all together. Now you don't always have it all together. You still need that break. You still need to take family time. You still need to take that date with your wife once a month minimum, maybe a getaway every three months. Like if you're not doing that start, it will change your life. But, um, and I encourage the same thing I'm telling you to all of our guys and to our staff here. It really is. It's a, it's a people business and it's as important as the systems and the processes are. Uh, we are in the service business. Um, I try to serve my technicians and, and, and help them to be successful so that they can serve my customers and, and we can be successful because of it. So this is a service industry that we're in. Um, and we can't forget the most important part of a service industry is not making money. It's serving and helping customers. And once you have that mindset and your vision, correct. Um, 
it's amazing that not only can you have all A-level technicians in the top of the field and steal people from dealerships, hate to call it that way, but that's what happens. You just have to be honest. You have to be a person of integrity and show that there's success and that what you're going to do, what you say you're going to do, you're going to do. They start coming out of the woodwork uh, and people will walk through walls for you. It's, it's incredible. I've never needed or asked anybody to do it. They will willingly do it for me. And it's crazy. It's, it's something I've never been a part of. Uh, it's the funnest job and the, the most exciting job uh, that I've ever had. I'm urged to take days off all the time and I can't seem to do it just because I love being here. It's a true story. I absolutely love. Yes, my toolbox is not being used anymore, except by the guys sometimes, but I just, I, I literally love my job for the first time in my life and loving your job and having it being successful and having some money in the bank. Um, it's an extraordinary feeling and I want it for everybody that I meet and everybody I talk to. I just want everybody to that's down, that can't sleep at night, that's losing sleep, that's throwing up, that's depressed. Don't give up. Like, I just want everybody I see, I can't, you know, I'll get kicked by Megan talking in a, in a grocery store for an hour because somebody's, the cashier was down. I'm like, oh no, you don't even know. I can show you some things I've learned. Don't, no, this is temporary. So that is my passion. I just want people to understand uh, what's out there. And the other thing is the success is not just for my wife and I. The success is for my employees. You know, one of my dreams is to have a lake house. You know, I want to, I don't want the lake house for just me and my wife. I want, I want to, I want to have, I, I want to have a midsummer party and have, have food brought in and, and, and eat and break bread with people that are help, are my true family every day. Like they're in this with me. So, you know, and they, that's what I want to do. I, I want to, I want other people to live life and experience uh, relationship and generational change. So that's, that's why I do it. And that's how, that's, I think how people buy in because it's not some fake sales pitch. It's just the truth. It's who I am. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how, let me ask this or say this a different way. I think right now, you know, I, I hear, I, I talk to owners all the time and, and I hear, you know, number one issue consistently is I can't find techs. Yeah. I can't find advisors, whatever. and you know, you're saying I got them coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. And the people that I've talked to like you that do not experience that problem, they're the ones that, you know, have taken responsibility for their situation. They've said effort to all their excuses yeah. and they're willing to, you know, have a big vision and then share that vision. A lot of people are scared to share their vision with their employees, but you're casting that vision People are attracted to that. People are attracted to people that are resilient, that are following through, that operate in that integrity, not just telling the truth integrity, but just integrity of spirit and of action. And so it does not surprise me at all that you're not experiencing a shortage. And I want to say too, you know, I, I think something, a lot of the things that you're saying that you do, they're simple things. It's not super complicated, the, the, the path that you've taken and the things that you do. And I think that what I've observed sometimes is when things are simple, they get written off. Oh, that's great. It's simple, whatever. And, and we, we search for this complicated, the answer must be harder than this. Yeah. It must be this formula or this you know, bizarre book or, or this seminar. And all those things are probably really helpful. But when it comes down to it, Doing the right thing over and over and consistently and doing what you say you're going to do and having that discipline in your mind and just 
owning your crap, it, it, it works. So, you know, I, I hope that anyone listening that's, that's on that, that spot of just trying to, you know, figure out why am I not moving forward? You know, the thing that stands out to me about your story, Stan, is that you honor and walk in the simplicity of the things that you know what to do and you do that really, really well. Oh, and I think you. that speaks volumes of, of your success, man. It means a lot, man. Thank you so much for saying that. That's uh, that's very deep and very heartfelt. I know it is. And it uh, means a lot for somebody uh, like you to say that, Thomas. It does. Thank you. I know you've seen a lot. You've been around. You've talked to a lot of people. And uh, that, that means a lot. Thank you. Absolutely, brother. Okay. I have one more very important question for you. Okay. If you were a car. What kind of car would you be? <laughs> oh, I love the question. I've heard it before. Uh-huh. I must tell you, I've heard it. But uh, well, I'm a Chevy guy, so it only leaves me really one option. Um, I'm a Corvette, definitely a Corvette. Um, a lot of passion. I yep. was, was always a sprinter. Uh, played basketball, and I could I could go fast. I just love, I love the new Corvette. Um, and that that's it, man. I'm a Corvette. I'll be a, I'd be blue trim. Brand new Z06 set me up. Matter of fact, I'm going to have to start talking to the wife. I think it might be time. I think it might be time, man. Can you imagine how quick we get to Tennessee at, a, at about 180? Yeah, I, I think that would, I mean, that, <laughs> it makes sense to me. You're going to save time. Yeah, uh, a few tickets too. But yeah, that would be it, man. That's That would be 100% Corvette. Yep. That's yeah, you, you better drive it over here and let me see. Oh, you go for a ride. There's more than that. Okay. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, brother, thank you again for your time and sharing your wisdom. It's been an honor to speak to you today, and um, we'll have you back, and we'll talk about some more cool stuff. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for considering me and having me on the show. Uh, Hopefully, I can help anybody out there. And if you have a question, and you know me, uh, and if you don't know me and you have a question, I'm on Facebook at Stan Andrewski, so message me. It's not if but when. It may take a little time, but I'll get back with you uh, if you have any questions. Absolutely mean it. I do. Thank you, Thanks, brother. All right. That was my interview with Stan Andruski. Can you please help me with something? The purpose of this show is to reach as many people in our industry as possible, providing hope, encouragement, and knowledge through these powerful and important stories. Please help me spread the word by sharing this podcast, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast host. Thank you so much. If you'd like to contact me, you can email me at thomas at slcautopodcast.com or call 615-656-8804. Thanks. Have a great week. No two shops are the same. That's why cookie cutter advice and coaching does not work. In order for your shop to get to the next level, you must have an action plan designed around your shop's unique needs. You'll also need accountability and encouragement along the way. Let ShopFix Academy help you create your best shop. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com.